Um, last week, uh, Jesse got to share uh, a first hymn of this series that we're doing, Amazing Grace. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about a song called Come Thou Fount. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor John's going to be sharing with us about Be Thou My Vision. Uh, then we're going to do a song called It Is Well, uh, or It Is Well With My Soul, and then end with Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Some of you are really familiar, and you're like, that's like my jam. You just hit my, my hit list from like when I was a kid. <clears throat> Some of you guys are like, I've never even heard of these things. Who says thou <laughs> or thy, uh, any of these uh, these types of things. Um, so some of you familiar with this and you're like, oh, this is going to be rich. This is like my childhood. Some of you, you're like, I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm used to singing the songs that we do here. This is, this is awesome. And music has this really cool thing it does to us. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, actually, all, anybody ever have one of these growing up? Oh, <laughs> some of you just got scared. <laughs> it's creepy, right? Have you ever you like paid attention to it? What the heck? We give these to children. <laughs> we're like, look it, it's a special toy, and it's music, and we're all so happy with it, right? And, and, and <laughs> some of you guys are like, ah, what's that? <laughs> it's like super creaky, and then all of a sudden it just like, ah, like that, like that, and it just comes out, and you're like, what? Is, why do we give this to kids? I'm like, here, here's a toy, and they're like, wow, that's so special, and then, you know, <clears throat> good thing they went a diaper. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get it back. Let's put that thing away. Oh, man. So uh, it's kind of like life, right? Isn't it a little bit? Like we got our jam. We're cruising along. We're kind of happy. Music's a part of it. And it's special. brings up memories. And all of a sudden, something just pops out at you. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and you find yourself all freaked out and readjusted. And then you kind of come back to it. You get to start all over again. And we kind of continually go through this. Uh, routine and in uh, our lives, and I think it's really representative of uh, what most of us and many of us do, and that's really the special part, I think, about music or hymns and poetry and songs to God, because they help realign us uh, and remind us of just the craziness that's going on. Music does this really special thing for people. Um, uh, this is a, a really neat thing that I learned this week, um, is that just minutes ago, there's a couple hundred people in here singing together, singing the same song together. And I don't know, have any of you ever been in a choir before? Raise your hand if you've been in a choir before, even if you had to be in a choir, right? You got made to be in a choir. I don't know if some of you guys know this. If you've been here for a couple weeks, you've probably heard Jesse say you're a part of the church choir. Yeah, well, welcome. You've all been in a choir. Um, this is this cool thing that they've really been learning lately that happens when you're singing in a choir together, singing uh, with a group of people the same things is not only are you synced up and you're harmonizing and, or you're not harmonizing, <laughs> you're singing, um, but this little really cool special thing happens that you don't realize. So they're actually finding a bunch of data that shows that when a group of people are singing the same thing together in a choir like this, that their hearts actually begin to sync up and start beating the same cadence. Everyone's heart beats up. Now, isn't that a trip? If you just wanted to grasp that for a second... That hundreds of people, you came here, you kind of were doing your thing, you were doing your thing. Who knows what you came from in the car or where you're at. Maybe you're in a good place. Maybe you're in a tough place. However you're feeling that if you stopped and paused and engaged with a choir, that all of a sudden you guys found the same thing, the same place. Isn't that crazy? Just to, just, sorry, I had to just blow my mind for a second. That's nuts. It's this really cool gift, I think, that God gives us 
with music, when we stop and we pause um, to recognize who he is and the special things he does with it. Uh, I grew up with all kinds of different music, I'm sure, as you did. I've seen the, you know, the church type of music that's a cappella, and it's just one person trying to sing and get everyone else on there. I've seen like the big organ and just the piano, and then I remember going to my Graham's church, and she liked the more traditional music, but they started introducing different things, and you know, next thing you know, the guy's got a ponytail, and he's on the piano and we had to make comments about that and then um and somebody starts like um, playing some drums and she hated that because that meant people were clapping and that's disrespectful and then especially because she said she had to like watch people and their like hips move around and she's like they're shaking their butts in church this is inappropriate <clears throat> i had the most fun in worship just watching her <laughs> get angry at stuff like and people and singing, but I think that's one of the best parts in the gifts of music. You see it all throughout the Bible in the way that God has invited us into gauge. Some people have this idea of like, oh, it needs to be very strict, very this way, and you know, just using your voice isn't clear. And other people are like, man, the the crazier the lights, the more I can like feel it breaking my body in half. Um, this stuff that's going on, the better. And I think that all of it is beautiful because it's all our way of celebrating and honoring the King of Kings and who he is. Uh, And so there's not one specific way to do it except in accordance for his glory and not ours. That's the most beautiful part, I think, about music and kind of the spectrum that we've gotten to be a part of. I think one of my most embarrassing parts of worship um, was uh, I went to a church one time um, to do a pulpit fill, so I gave a message and I didn't know this was like normal routine, but when you were done giving the message, you then were supposed to lead the congregation in worship, just you, all by yourself. And I got done, and I was like, amen, thanks. And they kind of were giving me the nod, like, sing a song. And I was like, what? No. And we did this back and forth, like, uh-uh, uh-uh, you sing a song. You sing a song. <laughs> it was awkward. That's as much awkwardness as I'm going to make you live it out. I'm not going to sing you the song. Thank you for trying. So there's a guy that wrote this song that we're singing today. His name is Robert Robertson. He was born in 1735. Here's a picture of the old chap. Um, He was a a young man when his father passed away. So life was good. It was making, you know, the little sing song, and all of a sudden it pops out and blows your world up. A young man, his father passes away. Now um, his mom, single mom, um, can't really afford to do stuff with him. Um, Ends up getting him an apprentice. He moves away to the London area. Um, when he's a young man to be an apprentice of a barber to learn how to do that and uh, trying to figure out life. And the jack keeps kind of popping out. Uh, He ends up getting into like a a kid gang. Um, And so he's a part of a gang. He's kind of leading this gang. Um, And his life's kind of doing what life would do in a gang. And you're on your own. You don't really have parents. And you lost your dad. And you're kind of doing your own thing. And you're getting yourself in lots of trouble. You're wondering a lot through life and figuring out what you are, what you want to be, or just not caring at all. And um, there's a story he writes about um, that when he was 17 years old, he was leading his little gang, and they were messing with a gypsy, uh, a fortune teller, and he kept telling her to give her, give her more liquor because she had been drinking, and they were trying to get her more drunk because they wanted free fortunes from her. And so they're picking on her and messing with her, um, a bunch of these hooligans, and give her more booze, we're going to get her super drunk, and um, so she finally gave in, and she, um, 
she had, she had told a fortune to one of them. They're like, this isn't true. She's too drunk. He's like, no way. So give her more. Um, so she ends up pointing specifically at Robert Robertson with her finger um, after she had given into this and told him just simply these words, you are going to see your children and grandchildren. And it paled him immediately. Because here's a kid who had life come up, didn't have a dad, was away from his parents, and suddenly, for some reason this moment, shocked him and said, if I'm going to see my kids and my grandkids, I've got to get my life together. So in that moment, they didn't really realize it. He gave him a, he wrote that he gave him a big old like, you're right, she's drunk, she can't tell fortunes anyways, let's get out of here. Well, there was a revival in town by a guy named George Whitfield who was in that area at that time. And so he wanted to go to this revival because of this moment that had happened. But he didn't want his friends and the people around him to know that he wanted to go to a rival because that's like not what you do. That's not the kind of life they live. Not, not what they want to be a part of. So he talked his gang into going, we're going to go and we're going to heckle these idiots, this speaker guy there, and we're going to ruin the revival. And so that was kind of his plan to go there and heckle them and give them a hard time. Well, that day he said that George Whitfield spoke on Matthew 3, 7, and it changed his life. Interestingly enough, he didn't leave that place, the revival, saying, I'm born again, I found Jesus, I was lost, amazing grace, I'm found. It wasn't until three years later, he says, he kept coming back to that moment and realizing this God who was chasing him down and was there for him and that he was good enough to be accepted into this new life with him. And so three years after that moment, um, he found Jesus and his, his, you know, his life's good then. So we find this song that then is written two years after he gave his life to Christ and allowed God to do this transformative work spiritually that had never been done before. So two years after that, in 1758, um, he pins down a poem, which really ends up being an autobiography, which is what I'm going to read to you um, today, that I think is really a beautiful reminder of many of ours, autobiography. And that's really what we should remember when we're singing a song like this. So it starts like this. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Like saying, hey, I'm recognizing right now, this is where the blessing comes from. I'm going to tune my heart into this grace that only you can give, and it's taken me a while to kind of grasp this idea of who I was and that I get this grace from you. Streams of mercy is what you are. You're never ceasing. You're giving me grace. You're giving me mercy. It doesn't cease. That in itself calls for these songs of loudest praise. I have to figure out how to be this and do this. So then it continues on saying, teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues, uh, tongues above. Give me a song. I don't even have the words to this. See, that we didn't have a tune to this. This was just a poem. This was a, a, um, a written out letter prayer to God. It wasn't until 50 years later that we actually put some sort of tunes to this. So he's saying, just give me, I, need, I can't even get this out of my mouth. I need to get this off of me. Uh, praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. So we're making statements right off the bat. So you're, you're the one where the blessings come from. You have endless streams of mercy that continue to come. This is where redeeming love comes from. I have found it, I have figured it out. This is what I'm connected to. This is what I'm pointing to. So sorrowing in spirit, I shall be in spirit till released from flesh and sin. I, I can't even figure out how to do this right. 
uh, because I'm, I'm a person, I'm a human, I'm broken, I feel gross, until I'm released from flesh and sin, saying, hey, I don't even know if I'm worthy enough to be having this conversation with you. You've continued to give me this gift. Uh, I, until I'm released, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. But yet, from what I do inherit, here thy praises all begin. So now, I'm going to speak, Lord, into um, this pivotal moment that's happened to my life. I've recognized who you are, and this is where I've been at. So then he says this line that so many people um, continue to remember about this song. He says, here I raise my Ebenezer, or mine, in some of the verses, here by thy great, by thy great help I've come. So this Ebenezer actually comes from 1 Samuel 7.2. And we ask, what is an Ebenezer? Uh, this is where Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizvah and Shin and named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. What had happened? The Philistines uh, were being, they were conquering them. Uh, they were coming after the Israelites, and God gave a tremendous victory where it shouldn't have happened. Um, it was, uh, everything was against them. It was one of those moments where you cannot, only God can, and there was no other way to, to, to recognize that other than to recognize the fact that they had nothing to do um, with God and this thunderous victory. And so this is him placing the stone here. And an Ebenezer is actually a stone, or it was a, a called a stone of help. I'm, I'm taking this and I'm recognizing that this is a stone of help to be memorialized. So when we look at this, we're going to focus back and remember what God did in this moment. That only he could do this, right? That only he could do the things that he's done in your life. And so he said, this is really a, a, a spiritual Ebenezer, uh, in my own heart that I'm singing out to communicate the victory of God over Satan in my own life, over sin in my own life. And so I raise my Ebenezer. And I hope, in thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. So this is beautiful. How many times have we really paused and recognized Jesus, you sought me when I was a stranger. I, I didn't know you. I didn't feel like you knew me. I was wandering around, and you got to bring me back into the fold. The good shepherd came and found the, the one out of the 99. You continually seek me. He to rescue me from danger and opposed his precious blood. So where is he rescuing you from? He's recognizing right here, I needed rescue. Well, where's the danger? It says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death equals danger. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like anything that everyone says, that's really dangerous. They're usually trying to tell you like you could die, right? <laughs> don't touch that. That's dangerous, which means you'll... then my kids are always like, yeah, if you touch that, you're dead. <clears throat> it's really what it means. I mean, we're straight to the point. Someone should remember that. So where did he rescue us from? Danger, death, wages of sin. Guess what we get? Death. What's grace? Getting everything you don't deserve right? That's what we've earned. But what did he do? He interposed. He snuck in there in place of, in between. He filled this chasm of death in him, which is perfection, with his precious blood. And so he's telling this story right here. This is exactly what happened. You rescued me from death. This is what my life looked like. And you gave me your precious blood. How his kindness yet pursues me. Mortal tongue can never tell. I can't even explain his kindness, his goodness, or the song that we even just sang, his recklessness as it pursues me, as a person I can't even tell, clothed in flesh till death shall loose me, I, can, I cannot proclaim it well. 
I just can't give good words for it. And, and, and I know many of us too, and my, myself included, just pray and hope that our life is somewhat representative of what the good work that God's done in us, right? I, I just can't do it. Uh, I can't proclaim it well, but I'm just trying to because I'm trying to say it or I'm trying to act it or I'm trying to be it. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to thee. This grace is what saves me. Like, uh, let's see, um, like, let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart, wandering heart to thee. So a fetter uh, was like an ankle chain in prison. You get hooked onto it, you get, you get a fetter. So that way you stayed kind of in your cell. And so he's saying, let your goodness, like a fetter, like just let, just let it still live in my place because I know what life's like when the jack keeps popping out of the box, you know, life keeps coming up. I need to be around your goodness. I know who I am. I know what kind of like my flesh pulls out. Bind my wandering heart to thee. How many of us need to remember that one a lot, a lot of times? We've got to wake up every day. That should just be like wake up line number one. God, today, will you bind my wandering heart? It's about to wander. Where's my mind going to thee? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Man, how often do we wonder if good is really great? <laughs> and then we wonder, and we're like, good night. It wasn't that good. Prone to leave the God that I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. And then this is the um, final stanza in this poem that a lot of people have taken out. I think it's really beautiful. It's really the apocalyptic part. It's kind of the end, right? Um, as you... As you would pray to God, like, if this could look like, you know, throughout my life, this would, the end would look like. And it says, oh, the day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Something to look forward to. Clothed then in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless days. Oops, we didn't keep going. Yeah, send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless days. I don't, oh, I missed, I missed one. Let me go back. I'm sorry. It was my fault. You were helping me. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. There it is. That means late, tardy. See? That was my fault. Take my ransom soul away. Send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless day. Saying, hey, God's not going to be late. He's going to come for us and all of our messiness. Here's an interesting thing about Robert Robertson just like us. He's having to constantly remember and get into the word of who God is, where he was, and what he's about, like what he's gotten. That he's gotten everything he didn't deserve. And a really sad but realistic story that happened at the end of his life, he was in a stagecoach. There's a woman in the stagecoach, and she was reciting this poem, uh, this hymn, because there wasn't uh, music to it. So she was reciting it, and she looked over at him and said, are you familiar? Have you ever heard of this poem before? Not knowing. And this is what he said. Madame, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds to enjoy that feeling I had then. It's really sad, but it's really reality that I think, fortunately, someone else got to read back his own prayer that he had written, or sing back, or like we do, and he got to re-recognize where he was and who God was. I think that's really a beautiful part of coming together and singing worship and worshiping God together. We get to come into a place like this 
in whatever world we're in, whatever place that we find ourselves in, good, bad, lost, dead, confused. And we get to sing these songs that remind us of our faith, where we were, and where we get to be now because of who he is. The really cool part, back to the whole beginning, when the jack's going to keep popping up, and we're going to think life's all good, these hymns, these moments, this word is what we need to continually and constantly run back to. Because from that is our every blessing. I'm going to end you uh, in with this scripture. We're reminded in Ephesians that when we've received this gift of grace, this blessing from God, that we get to change the way, our attitude, our thinking, our way of life. I said that, however, is not the way that you've learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. You are not learned to be this downtrod person. You know better than that. You know what you have. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. You get to forget that. You don't have to identify yourself with that anymore, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's old. But you have been made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and right relationship with him. How beautiful is that, that we, us, me, you, get to have a relationship with the king of kings. That God said, I'm going to see you where you're at. I'm going to ask you um, to close your eyes and then we're going to stand together and um, we're going to sing this hymn together. But I first want to read to you just a a statement over just you today. So I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes and just let these words kind of fall over you. Because eternity matters, I will give him my all today. No regrets, no excuses, holding nothing back. With his help and by his power, I will leave no words unsaid, no deeds undone, no hope unshared. My faith will move mountains, my prayers calm storms. My words give life and my hands bring healing. My feet deliver the good news that Christ is risen and he is coming again. Friends, God's word is a lamp directing your steps. His spirit is your power. When you're weak, he makes me strong. You will not hold back, sell out, or be pushed around. Your life is too valuable. Your calling too great. Your God too good. Don't waste your life on things that don't last. You are empowered by God's spirit, trained by his word, tried by fire. Your name is written in his book. Your life belongs to him. Because your life is not your own and earth is not your home, you will live for the glory of God and not for the applause of people. You are strong in the Lord and his mighty power to do his will on earth as in heaven. Because Christ lives in you, trials will not stop you, people cannot break you, money cannot buy you, haters cannot silence you, and demons cannot defeat you. Friends, some of you need to know in here today that God is waiting to forgive you, cleanse you, and restore you. Now sing a beautiful sonnet unto him. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing the Streams of mercy 
never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon me, Mount of So friends, may we remember that testimony in our own lives on a regular basis, whether we're seeing a song, reading his word, having a conversation with somebody else. You may be here today and uh, you're in a place and you're like, hey, today is actually a day that I could use some forgiveness, some rescuing, some restoration. And I don't want to leave today without offering the opportunity because he gives it as that free gift just as we sang of just right now, wherever you're at, wherever life has taken you. Your identity is not what you've been. It's made new. So there'll be people at the front of the stage at the end of the service. If you want to come up and allow God to start doing the transformative work in your life that only he can do, allow him to start doing today. Don't leave. If he's poking at you, you know know what that is. Let him restore those things in you and change those things in you in your life and allow it to be your testimony as well. This will be your first time with us. We're so glad you're here. We'd love to get the opportunity to meet you again. Make sure you get your free gift. You guys can uh, let us know your uh, prayer requests in the backs of the room and the boxes along with your offerings and tithes. And I would love to send you off with a blessing if you just hold out your hands like this. May we be blessed with the renewed understanding that God is just waiting to forgive us, 
to cleanse us and restore us on a regular basis and thank God for that. (laughs) May we go in that peace, friends, and give it to somebody else. See you next week.